Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we will talk with Los Angeles County Registrar, Recorder, County Clerk, Dean Logan. We'll chat about voter engagement and civic participation, the integrity of the voting system, and actions we can take to make our voice heard. Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Dr. Gordon. It is a pleasure to have you join us today as we discuss the importance and value of voting. I'm going to do what we normally do and dive right in. The November general election is around the corner and you oversee the Los Angeles County Registrar Office, which is the largest and most complex county election jurisdiction in the country. Can you tell us more about yourself and the work you do as county clerk? Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me and for the opportunity to share information. It's so important. There's so much information out there that is shared, some of which is not always accurate. So going directly to the source is always helpful. So appreciate that opportunity. So I've been the Registrar Recorder County Clerk for Los Angeles County for a little over 15 years now. I originally came from the state of Washington, where I did similar work there, both in elections and public records. Los Angeles County is a fascinating jurisdiction, as you indicated. We're the largest elections jurisdiction or local elections jurisdiction in the country. We have 5.6 million registered voters. Just to put that in context, that's more voters in this single county than there are statewide in 42 of the states of the country. So while we function and are regulated as a local government, we're larger than most state governments. We serve 88 cities and all of the unincorporated areas of L.A. County. We conduct all federal, state, and local elections. So that's for things like water districts, school districts, parks districts, on up to cities, county, state, and our federal offices. Right now, we have about 88% of our eligible residents in L.A. County are registered to vote. So that's really a tribute to some great work that's been done in the state of California on voter registration laws and engagement. Of course, that's getting people registered. Getting them to participate is a separate issue, and I'm sure we'll get into that. L.A. County is also a richly diverse community in every sense of the word of diversity. We're geographically diverse. You know, a lot of people think of L.A. as you know, Hollywood and and big urban areas, but we also have rural areas and farming and agricultural areas out in the north part of our county. So serving a great, interesting population, age demographics, certainly pertinent to this discussion and ethnicity and language. So we actually have 373,000 of our voters who receive all of their election materials in languages other than English. So 18 languages that we provide services in here in the county. In addition to elections, so that's what we're most known for. It's probably our most visible role as the Registrar of Voters. But in addition to that, I am the recorder for Los Angeles County, which means I maintain, my office maintains all of the the records of real estate, all the properties in L.A. County, the, the chain of title, the history of those transactions, as well as maintaining the files and records of births deaths and marriages in the county. So I like to say it this way that we really are the government department responsible for keeping your story as an individual member of the community. 
those significant moments in your life, the birth of a child, a marriage, the loss of a loved one, your right to vote, your chance to buy a piece of property, all of that is maintained and kept in a historical record here in our office. And finally, as the county clerk, we conduct civil marriages, issue marriage licenses, and handle fictitious business filing names and other various clerical and record-keeping duties like that. So it's a very busy office. Absolutely. With all of those things, you know, I really didn't think of the county recorder's office as our story historian. And that's exactly what the county recorder's office does. I love that you mentioned it in that type of way. So as much as we could talk about all of the aspects of the county recorder's office, today we're going to stick with the voting aspect of it. Now, there are a number of races that are going to be on November's ballot. And as the registrar working in this, we have the Senate, we have the House of Representatives, we have the governors, among other local races. Although you oversee L.A. County, where can voters locally and from across the state find reliable information on all of these races that are coming up? What resources would you recommend? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's a big ballot. There's a lot on this ballot. One of the things that's sort of changed here in the last few years is this consolidation of local elections, which used to be held in the odd years, consolidating those onto the even year elections. And that has increased the number of people who vote in those elections, but it's also increased the size of the ballot. So as voters prepare to vote in this election, you know, there are 340 different office contests here in L.A. County, 82 local measures, two countywide measures seven statewide measures, and a whole host of candidates in those offices. So there's a lot for voters to navigate. So I think a couple of things I would recommend here at the local level, voters can find official and trusted and unbiased election information here from our office. And our website, lavote.gov, is built as that kind of information resource for voters, not on the politics side of the elections process, but on the process side. And I want to emphasize that because right now, especially on the national level, there's so much information coming out about elections. We're still talking, or in the news, they're still talking about the 2020 election and what happened in this state or that state. So it's really important for voters to know that their local election administrator is the source for the way the process works in your own local community. So again, here in LA County, lavote.gov is our website. We also maintain pretty active social media campaigns to get information out to our voters. So we try to push information out. And we are launching, actually this week, we're launching a Make a Plan to Vote campaign to reach and engage voters across multiple platforms. And you can access that by going to plan.lavote.gov. That actually allows you to go through this interactive process and indicate what are your preferences for voting? Are you planning to vote by mail? Are you planning to vote in person? How do you confirm your voter registration? All of that. And then we'll actually push information out to you and let you know how things are going. So again, plan.lavote.gov. On a statewide level here in California, the Secretary of State's office similarly is is a great source of information. Their website is sos.ca.gov. And then finally, I would say, you know, all voters in California receive in the mail a sample ballot book. Those started mailing this week. That includes information about how the process works of voting, how to find your voting location, gives you kind of a calendar of when to expect that vote by mail ballot to come, and also has information about candidates and contests. And the state also mails out a statewide guide that has all of the information about those statewide measures and statewide candidates as well. Oh, thank you, Dean. I think the most important thing that you mentioned here is when you're going to someplace like lavote.gov, you're really giving information 
on a process? What is it that we do? You mentioned how the voting time periods have changed, even years and odd years, looking at different candidates, looking at different races. Those are the kind of things that our listeners would like to know in terms of what is this whole process of what we do? We know you register to vote. We know there are elections that come up and then we go out and do the voting. Tell us a little bit more about the process that you help with. Well, one thing I want to pick up on what you just said is oftentimes the act of voting can feel, especially for voters who haven't voted recently or who are first-time voters, it can feel intimidating to voters. And we want to demystify that. And that's what the purpose of the website and the sample ballot and even engagements like this are for. The voting process belongs to the public and it works best when people do participate. So we want people to know it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask for assistance in the process. That's why we're here. The process belongs to the voters. So here in Los Angeles County and in California, we've made a great deal of effort over the past decade, really, if you will, to make voting as accessible as possible to our citizens. I talked about the diversity of this community, and we recognize that different voters have different needs and they have different preferences. So we try to offer choices to voters so that they can choose when, where, and how to cast their ballot within reason, of course. So first thing I would say is all registered voters are mailed a vote-by-mail ballot. That starts about 29 days before the election. So coming up here, October 6th, we will start mailing ballots to all voters in L.A. County. You will receive that ballot in the mail. Once you receive that, a couple of different options. You can mark that at home. And again, since it's such a long ballot, we know a lot of voters prefer that because they like the ability to kind of go through it, figure out, discuss it with their friends and their family, and make their choices. Once you fill that out, if you choose to vote by mail, there are multiple options for how to return it to us. You can mail it back to us, no postage necessary. You can drop it at one of... 400 drop boxes that we have located throughout LA County. So there should be one close by you, kind of in your path of travel and your day-to-day life. So you should be able to see them. They're bright yellow boxes. Your vote-by-mail packet will also tell you where those boxes are that are closest to your residence. They look like a mailbox, but they're they do. three times bigger. <laughs> yeah. And they and you know, and that's that's something where sometimes there's some misinformation out there. I want to emphasize that those are very secure boxes and we check those and retrieve the ballots on a daily basis. We have found voters really prefer that method. They feel like that's kind of putting it into a ballot box. Finally, though, voters can also drop their ballot off at any vote center or voting location during the final days leading up to or on election day. And that kind of brings me to the point that while we mail ballots to every registered voter, we know that some voters prefer to vote in person or some voters need the accessibility features of our in-person voting experience. So whether that's accessibility for an individual with a disability or somebody with a language need, our in-person vote centers open starting 10 days prior to Election Day. So that would be on October 29th. We will start opening our vote centers The great thing about this new model in L.A. County is you as a voter can go to any vote center in the county. You don't have to go to a specific location or assigned location. Any of our locations are available and you're you're welcome to go in there. And I, I do want to emphasize that if you have any accessibility issues, we offer an array of services at those vote centers to assist you. So you can get the image of the ballot enlarged. You can change the contrast. You can access it in any of the 18 languages that we provide. And it does allow you to have that independent private voting experience with some very skilled people there to assist you as needed. So that's really how the process works. We do encourage voters 
to take advantage of the early voting opportunity to use that vote by mail ballot if that's your preference, or again, to plan to vote early starting on October 29th. What we notice is that if people wait till election day, then we see you know, the more likelihood of, of lines or waiting periods at those vote centers. But we're prepared for you either way, and we want it to work for you. Let's talk about that a little bit. What are the requirements to vote, first of all? And then are there any key deadlines or new processes that we have to keep in mind? I love that you can actually go into the vote center, even if it's not in your district. That is something that's new, because usually when you go to vote, you have to go to your polling place. Otherwise, you have a little hiccup or so. So tell us a little bit about any key requirements to vote and any key deadlines or new processes that we should keep in mind. Yeah. So first, of course, the requirements to vote are to be a registered voter. And to be a registered voter in California, you have to be at least 18 years old. You have to be a citizen of the United States and you have to be a resident of the state of California. There are multiple ways to register to vote. You can register to vote online. If you have recently had a transaction with the Department of Motor Vehicles, you can automatically register to vote through that process. And then we also have the tried and true paper forms that are available out there in the community as well. As long as you're registered 15 days before the election, which is October 24th in this case, then you will automatically receive a ballot in the mail, as I indicated. However, that doesn't mean that that's a cutoff. We still allow voter registration up to and on election day. It just, if you aren't registered by the 24th, you would need to go in person to one of those vote centers and fill out the form and get your ballot at that time. So key dates are start looking now for your sample ballot in the mail. Around October 6th, we start mailing the vote-by-mail ballots. So the days following that, you should expect to see those in your mailbox. And then October 29th is when those vote centers start to open. Of course, November 8th is election day itself. And then following the election, if you want to track the results, we do have a fairly lengthy post-election canvas period in California. That's how we make sure every valid vote is counted. So between November 9th and December 8th, we will be doing our auditing and certification of the election. And that's kind of when everything wraps up. Okay, that gives us a good timeline. So data from the June primary showed that a 33% turnout for registered voters statewide occurred. Several news sources reported that this was historically low. What do you attribute to this? And I know that one of the things you're doing about it is this vote by mail and changing some of the processes. But is there something else that you're doing to boost voter turnout? It's always a challenge to kind of figure out from the administrative side what impact we have on voter turnout. So much of what I've talked about already in terms of making the process accessible giving voters options, kind of meeting them where they're at in the community. You mentioned being able to go to any voting location. All of that is designed to ensure that once a voter is motivated to vote or feels that they're going to have an impact by voting, we want to be sure they don't face any challenges in being able to participate. While the primary turnout this year was lower than I think we would desire, primaries are always kind of volatile in terms of turnout. If you go back to 2014, we had a very low turnout of 17%. And in 2018, again, around 30%. So not particularly unusual for a primary. I think for some voters, primaries are a little more confusing, or some people just choose to sit out the primary because they want to just be part of that final vote in the general election. A side note, I would say that's a little bit tricky because some offices are actually elected outright in the primary. So I always want to encourage people, don't sit out the primary. But absolutely. But we know that turnout does tend to go up 
in the general election and tends to go up in the even-numbered years. So usually an even-year election is either a gubernatorial election in the state of California or a presidential election. This year, it's a gubernatorial year. Interestingly, while we have a U.S. Senate contest and we have the statewide offices and governor on the ballot, those don't seem to be the kind of the leading races in this particular election. It seems to be here in L.A. County more focused on local contests that are kind of generating the level of interest. So, for instance, there's an open seat for the mayor of Los Angeles. The contest for sheriff in L.A. County is getting a lot of attention. We have a contest in the third supervisorial district that's an open seat. Those tend to be getting the attention in this election and hopefully will be drivers for turnout. But to your point, I think we kind of have to be careful not to confuse low turnout with lack of access. We know that, you know, the mood of the electorate is usually impacted by the contest, the candidate, and that it's the process that has to be ready for whatever motivates someone to vote. So we spend our time doing voter education and outreach, making sure that we have information accessible. And then turnout aside, we've expanded voting opportunities to include that 11-day voting period for in-person voting, vote by mail for all voters. And then, of course, the ballot drop boxes have been a big hit as well. And all of those have been very helpful in making voting more accessible. So as we turn out to vote, and I know that our listeners are going to be turning out to vote, tell us a little bit more about the actions or steps that your office is implementing to ensure that the elections are accurate and fair and secure. We've had so much dissension in terms of talking about the fairness of elections. So what is your office doing in terms of that? I'm really pleased that you asked that question because you're absolutely right. There's still so much talk out there about the integrity of the process and whether or not the outcome from the last election was accurate or not. And that continues to get a lot of attention nationwide. I would say, and I, and I w- really want to convey this to all those who are listening, that there have been multiple reviews, so academic reviews, audits, and even court challenges to the election in 2020. Not so much here in Los Angeles County or California, but across the nation. And the results of those show pretty substantially that that was a very accurate and secure election. And we worked very hard to ensure that the process of voting is accessible, but also secure. So LA County is fully compliant with all the provisions of the California voting system standards. So the equipment we use for voting, the equipment we use for counting the votes, the physical environment that we conduct the election in has numerous checks and balances and security provisions embedded in that. Really also want to emphasize that our ballots are paper, human-readable ballots. So if we do have to go back and do a recount, or if there is any question, that is the official record of voting. So a lot of concern out there about the potential for hacking or technical interference with the election, we have provisions to ensure that we track that and that we prevent that from having an impact. But a lot of what happens, I mentioned that the process belongs to the public. The elections process is a very public process, and it depends on transparency and observation. So everything that we do associated with the election is open to public observation. So for instance, on election night, when we are receiving and tallying the ballots, we actually run live stream cameras on our website. So you can actually watch what's happening there. It's maybe not as stimulating as your as your favorite reality <laughs> television show, but it's important for voters to see that, right? To know that, that this isn't being done behind a wall or, or in a private environment, that it is an open process. The open process and the transparency is something that we definitely all could use a lot more of in the world. So thank you for sharing that. 
yeah, I was just going to say the other piece that I think is important is that we do regular file maintenance on our voter registration file. So we do track when people are moving in and out of the county. As people pass on, we get records from the Department of Health. So we are constantly cleaning and refining the voter file as well. And then our vote by mail process is secured. A lot of people don't realize this, but those vote by mail ballots, when they come back, every one of those is signature verified, that your signature as a voter is verified to the signature from your voter registration before we count that ballot. And that provides a very strong level of security for that as well. That's great. Well, as we continue to talk about integrity, there's a lot of blogs and things out there talking about the requirement of IDs and also speaking in terms of California's Prop 17, which helped restore voting rights for people on parole and Los Angeles County setting a priority for increasing civic engagement for justice-involved residents through the LA Free the Vote initiative. Can you talk a little bit about this idea of what people need to know about the ID requirement and Prop 17 in terms of the initiative and where it is today? Sure. Yeah. So this issue of voter identification has been around for a while. It's actually a policy issue. So it's not so much a discretionary issue on the part of my office as the administrator of the election. It's actually a matter of of state law. California by intention or by law, has not required voters to show identification at the time of voting. Instead, that verification happens at the time of voter registration, that when you submit your voter registration, you provide information that is then verified against the state identification database. But beyond that, in the act of voting, you know, you are signing a legal oath under a penalty of perjury that you are who you say you are and that you're an eligible voter. And you're either doing that in person in a public setting or you're doing that on a vote by mail ballot where your signature is gonna be verified to confirm your identity. So that's really the security that's embedded in that. Again, a lot of debate on the policy side of that, I won't get too far into that, other than to say that there have been some studies that show, and people are sometimes surprised by this, but that not all people have easy access to identification. And so that can be a way of disenfranchising certain elements of our electorate if there's a strict ID standard. And so that's really been the discussion in California. And as of now, California does not require identification at the time of voting. With regard to Prop 17, this is something that that we've worked hard on in California, and that's to ensure that people who have been justice involved, so if they have been incarcerated or charged with a crime at some point in their life, that they understand what the rules and regulations are about how that impacts voting. And so if you are convicted of a felon and you are incarcerated in a state penitentiary, during that time of incarceration, you do lose your right to vote. However, once you are out of incarceration, you regain the right to vote. And Prop 17 reinforced that that and actually opened that to people who are on parole or probation. So that's been a recent change in California law. So just to give you a little bit of perspective on that, we have about 14,000 people in LA County who are on active parole and about 40,000 who are on probation or some sort of court monitoring. Now, not all of those are eligible to vote because there's the other requirements, citizenship, et cetera. But many of those people um, now do have the right to vote. So we have been doing outreach and education and partnering with the courts, the public defender, and law enforcement to get the word out, to encourage those individuals to participate in the elections. It's part of that re-entry and re-engagement into productive activity in our community. So we do that through outreach and education, but we also have a program where we go into our local jails and 
do voter registration and issue vote-by-mail ballots to those who are eligible. And that's been a very successful program. And in fact, in the primary, we actually had a vote center open in one of our jail facilities. And we're looking to do that again in November to, again, encourage those who are eligible to actively participate in the process. Well, that's powerful work. And I know the LA Free the Vote has a campaign going on, and we'll continue to take a look at that. AARP provides older adults, of course, with trusted information about the election. And we know that older adults are our nation's most powerful voters. Understanding the influence of AARP's population of older adult voters, how can we create intergenerational voting opportunities among our communities, in particular among our communities of color, because we know that there we see lower voter turnout. In multicultural communities, though it tends to be a bit lower than the general population, how can younger and older generations work together to increase this participation in voting? Yes, so important that we do that and encourage that. And that really has been the the foundation of the work that we've done here around accessibility and options for voting. Again, that kind of concept of meeting people where they're at, that once they understand their rights and their options for voting, that they don't face barriers. Because we know if you face a barrier and are unable to participate, you're unlikely to show up in the next election, right? So on our end, what we've tried to do is create a system that allows multiple options for voters to vote and then to to be out in the community doing voter outreach and education. I think your point about intergenerational influence is really well taken. We know that there are studies that show that those who are most influential in terms of getting other people to register and vote are not necessarily people like me, uh, government officials. It's actually your, your family members, your friends, the people you interact with in the community. So what we try to do is through our community voter outreach program is to arm those influencers with information so that they can reach out to their friends, family members, or in some cases in a church community, the, the people who attend their church or the people in their community club to give them the information so that they can actively encourage other people to vote. If it's an elderly person in the family to provide opportunities and information so you can assist that person in getting to a voting location or in returning their vote by mail ballot. If it's a young person who's never voted before, partnering them with somebody who's been a longtime, lifetime voter and say, you know, again, remove that kind of layer of intimidation around the process. Yeah. And I love that you all have the lavote.gov that gives the information for the process. When my daughter was younger, I would take her with me to the election. Seeing parents go out with their children into the polling place, it teaches them this is the way of doing things. And I remember that in history, seeing that across the board, seeing young people going with their parents, even when they weren't eligible to vote. Absolutely. And I think it's that visibility, right? And I think that's kind of the value sometimes of having voting in our schools and and out there in libraries and places like that, because it is visible and people do see that activity. One thing I'll note is that we do in California, we do allow pre-registration. So 16 and 17 year olds can actually pre-register to vote while they're still in high school. And then when they turn 18, they automatically become part of the voter file and we start mailing materials to them. So that's just another way that we've started to try and encourage that process from a very early age, because we know that once people have a successful and positive voting experience, they're likely to become lifelong voters going forward. 
Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. And so that's something that I will keep in mind for the young people that I run across. We're going to get ready to start wrapping things up. But before we do, I want to shift the conversation to job opportunities. We recently have seen a call out for election workers. Can you tell us a little bit about what employment opportunities might be available? Who can apply? What do they need to know? What are their qualifications? Yeah, multiple opportunities, actually. I mean, so now that we do have this 11-day voting period at our in-person vote centers, we, obviously a large county, we need a number of people to staff those vote centers. So we do that through a combination of county employees that come from all of the county departments who are assigned to work at those locations. But we augment that with community election workers. There's a paid stipend. It's not a huge amount of money, but it is a stipend to encourage participation. And it's a great way for people who are, are interested in the process to be engaged, to be out there and to meet their community and provide a really important public service. So Anybody in the county who's a registered voter can sign up to be a community election worker. There's an application on our website at lavote.gov. We would love to build that pool of workers. We provide really good training and support people who do that. We also bring in a number of seasonal or temporary employees here into our office during an election. So the processing of vote-by-mail ballots, 5.6 million registered voters, that's a lot of mail to deal with and to process in a short period of time and during that canvas period after the election. So again, on our website, under our job opportunities at lavote.gov, there are applications where you can sign up to be a a seasonal election worker as well. I, I will emphasize a couple of places where we have particular needs. So we have vote centers in certain areas of the county that are harder to staff just because of traffic or locality. Certain areas, certainly on the west side of the county in the Malibu area and uh, Pacific Palisades, sometimes often hard to get people to to work in those areas. So I would emphasize those. The other skill level that we're always looking for, I mentioned multiple times that we serve voters in 18 languages in Los Angeles County. And part of that service is having people who are fluent in those languages at our vote centers so that voters can get assistance. So anyone who has a language skill and who is multilingual or bilingual is a particular interest to us. So we'd encourage them to apply as well. Oh, that is fantastic. And what a wonderful way to have civic engagement and get to know the people within your community and within communities of California. Thank you so much for participating in our podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up? I would just kind of restate, you know, what I said earlier is that that I think it's important for voters to remember that the process belongs to you. We're here to facilitate it, and we have an awesome responsibility of ensuring the integrity and the security of the process. But the best security for the elections process in this country comes from the participation of our eligible voters. So really want to encourage people to get out there, ask your questions, get the information you need but definitely participate, be part of the the process and make sure that your voice is heard. It is that one, you know, kind of fundamental part of our governing process where we have equal footing, but that equal footing comes only if we participate and cast a ballot. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share the information, encourage people to visit our website at lavote.gov and then get out there and vote. Thank you so much, Dean. We've been listening to Dean Logan, County Clerk. To our listeners, AARP is working nationwide to make communities more livable for people of all ages. As part of our efforts to provide you with trusted information about the election, we developed a voter resource guide 
to help you learn about important upcoming deadlines and information. Visit aarp.org forward slash CA votes. That's aarp.org forward slash CA votes to learn more. You can also text 22777 with the key phrase CA votes to receive a link to the guide. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts and elected officials who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening to In Clear Terms.